Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Rich, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, I actually came across you by way of one of our listeners who uh, sent in an email and he said, you got to have Rich. Rich is like the Gary Vaynerchuk of music. And I thought, okay. And once I started looking, I thought, you know, we haven't had a professional musician on here ever. And then I started digging apart all your stuff and I thought, yeah, we've got to do this. So on that note, uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your story, uh, your journey, and how that has brought you to what you're up to in the world today? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, you know, I started playing drums in uh, New England in uh, around 1976. Uh, I was just kind of hitting everything in sight. My dad said, hey, Rich, do you want to play the drums? So he got me, uh, you know, studying drumming at a place called the Milford uh, Drum and Percussion and Guitar Workshop in Milford, Connecticut. And I got a little blue sparkle snare drum and a set of sticks. And, uh, you know, I was learning, you know, the rudiments of music. And uh, then when I was 11, I moved to Texas. My dad got a job in Texas. And Texas has this amazing music education program, you know, which I benefited from. So I was playing music in the schools from the fifth grade up, you know, Marching band, concert band, uh, uh, pet band, symphony orchestra, percussion ensemble. I was playing in, you know, heavy metal bands. I was just in love with drumming and, you know, ended up studying it in, in college. I, I studied at Texas Tech University and then I ended up getting a master's degree in music education with an emphasis in percussion from the University of North Texas, which is a really fantastic music school. And um, like everybody, you kind of kick around Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas has a pretty healthy music scene. And, and then in, when I was 26, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and realized that I was going to have to get to New York, LA or Nashville, which is, you know, there's really kind of three places where you can take your career to the next level as a professional musician. So with my bags packed for sunny Los Angeles, I got some opportunities to do some auditions in Nashville and three auditions in a row, um, flying in from Dallas, putting myself up at a hotel, renting a car, learning someone's material, shaking hands, trying to get a gig. The gig always went to somebody that lived in Nashville. And, you know, I put two and two together that, you know, must be present to win. And I had all these, you know, people in Nashville that were digging my drumming. So I moved in, you know, February of 1997, I, I moved to Nashville. And so we're coming up on like, you know, 18 years of, of, of navigating that, um, funny little music town. Hmm. So yeah, it's been great. So Rich, you know, I, I want to go back to that moment when your parent, uh, your dad finds you banging on things and says, Hey Rich, do you want to play the drums? And for some reason, this question seems to keep coming up over and over again lately, uh, or some form of it. I am really curious as to why you think we miss those moments when we're younger and why our parents miss those moments 
and what we can do as adults if we did happen to miss those moments to possibly bring them about. Oh, like if for some reason I didn't have a forward thinking parent that noticed like, what is this kid doing? He's rambunctious and he has this type A energy and I got to get a drum in front of him. Uh, so you're saying like if my parents hadn't noticed that it would have changed the whole trajectory of my life. Yeah, I would say so. Wouldn't you? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think it's a calling. I think when you have a real calling in life, you will find it no matter what, you know, and some people are, are, God, I, I count my blessings that I have a calling. So when I get out of bed every day, I'm like super excited. And that kind of what defines me is getting behind a set of drums because, you know, music is such a powerful thing. And it, 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 we have the ability to affect people in such a positive way and change lives. I mean, I've seen it. I, I've been all around the world. I played for the U.S. military, you know, in, in just strange places that the average person doesn't get to go to, like, you know, New Year's Eve in, in Iceland and, and South Korea and Dubai and, you know, Macedonia and Croatia and Egypt, you know, playing for the troops. And you could see, you know, how music affects people in such a powerful way. It's a, it's a powerful gift that transcends all languages and cultures. And so it's a real honor to, to live my life, you know, doing that thing. So I think I would have found it no matter what, but it's always great when a parent, um, sees that spark and supports it no matter what. Cause I know my father, you know, before I could drive was driving me around with timpani and orchestral chimes and <laughs> drum sets and, you know, in the back of a, a truck and, and driving me to nightclubs and, and, and hanging out with me because I was too young to play the nightclub. And it was just fantastic, just fantastic parents. You know, um, my dad was an accountant for 30 years. My mom is just now retired from being a professional, um, healthcare provider. She worked in, you know, oncology, cancer research, just saints of parents. Um, and so now they get to see their, you know, their son play, you know, big shows and I'm, I'm on television all the time. That's my son. That's my son. You know, they saw it, which is great. Do you think everybody has a calling, Rich? Or do you think there are people who don't? Wow, that's a heavy, that's, that's, I think about that a lot. Um, <laughs> it only came up for me because you, you know, I, I've never asked it that way before. Yeah, my friend Dave Goodwin is here too. He's a master musician been in the music business a long time. I'm staying at his house here in Montana. Do you think people all have a calling? What do you think? That's a heavy question. Um, I think people have a calling that, uh, and I think other people, uh, have an ambition to do something and do an awful lot to, to make it happen. You know, that may not be, they don't realize, and then people don't realize what their calling is, you know? Some people don't, I think we all have a calling, but maybe we're not, we just don't see it, or we're, we, we're not pulled towards it, like, like, I was, I'm here to play the drums, like, if I don't play the drums, you know, I feel that that would have been kind of like a slap in the face to, to the higher power that gave me that talent, but I just saw that at a super young age, and I know that some people don't, don't see that, and it, and I, I get sad. For those people, you know what I mean, because they find themselves in situations and and jobs, and it's a really long life when you do something you don't enjoy doing. Whereas the day flies by for me. I mean, it's just, I mean, God, it's almost four o'clock already. It's like where'd the day go? Because I'm passionately consumed with this idea of music and all the people in that special fraternity of music, and how we support each other and lift each other up. It, it's it's a real gift. It's a real 
um, it's a happy place. Hmm. So let me ask you this. Didn't answer your question, though. <laughs> well, I, I never expect a concrete answer, which is why I ask the questions I do, because I know they open up landmines. Yeah. Why do you think people ignore a calling if they happen to stumble upon one? Ooh, now that's a little bit easier to answer because people are fearful of, I mean, there's this thing called money and we need it and we have to have food, shelter and clothing. And, and sometimes it's way safer to go to get that normal job. Why don't you be a doctor? Why don't you be, you know, which is great. We got to have doctors. I mean, when I have a cold, I want to go to a doctor, (laughs) uh, you know, but, um, and that's apparent sometimes at a very young age when a child is impressionable and maybe they're showing signs of some extreme artistic ability and the parent says, no, that's not a good idea. And so sometimes children listen to that and they end up going down this long path of doing something they're not crazy passionate about. So yeah, they ignore that. And maybe they they have that calling their entire life, but they stay in that safe zone. I mean, believe me, um, being in the theatrical arts and wanting to be an actor and moving to Los Angeles is a big scary thing that a lot of people may have a lot of talent to, and they just don't do it because they're so fearful of, they're like, well, I don't want to park cars and I don't want to be a barista for 20 years. And there's a big chance that that's going to happen. It's the same thing with Nashville. It's like they call it a hillbilly Hollywood because everybody who can strum three chords on the guitar that wants to be on the radio finds their way to Nashville and they realize just how saturated and competitive it is. And you have to have massively thick skin and massive follow through. And you, I just told my students, you have to fall in love with rejection because there was speed bumps along the way for me, a lot of doors slammed in my face. And that has to motivate you because every failure, you're one step closer to success. And it's definitely anything in the arts, anything you want to do in life is um, it comes, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know? So you have to kind of like not be in a rush and do it, whether you're going to make money at it or not, or whether it's going to take five minutes or it's going to take five years, you know? And I tell people moving to Nashville, Nashville's at this huge, it's another boom town. There was a boom in like between 92 and 94 in Nashville. And then right when I moved to Nashville in 97, it kind of died and there was this massive, like famine that I survived and then it came around again. And now they say that Nashville is going to double in size in the next 10 years. And I don't know how we're going to do it. I mean, I've noticed in the last 18 months that traffic has really gotten pretty bad. So I don't know what we're going to do in 10 years, but everybody that's moving, I say, Hey, don't be in a rush, save some money, um, get out every night and you could shake you could shake a hand that could change the trajectory of your life in the first five minutes you're there, or it could take five years. And that's kind of the average to create a network of people that can keep you afloat without a day job is five years. So let me ask you this. Do you think that there are certain people who are inherently built to be able to tolerate the kind of uncertainty that comes with a career that, uh, doesn't come with a guaranteed paycheck or doesn't have a clearly laid out plan or map. I would think so. Cause it's kind of like a, it's a Darwinian, like, you know, survival of the fittest kind of thing. Cause I know for a fact that a lot of people that I moved to Nashville with in 1997, 90% of them did not last. They went back home 
with their suitcase and their crushed dreams, and they went back and did that safe thing, which is great because I said we need the people to do the safe thing, and it's great because then it's less comp- <laughs> less competition for me. But um, but no, there's there's it's man, I see also a lot of fantastic musicians that may not have the complete package. In other words, they just don't know how to read a room or shake a hand or follow through with basic business. Like, you know, if you meet somebody at a cocktail party and you hit it off and they don't follow up with that call or email or tweet, it's like, why? You have to have the follow through. You have to have the persistence. You have to have a little bit of business savvy to run your business like a business. Like I tell all my drum students, you're a small business owner. And yeah, it's an expectation for you to be able to play the drums at a high level. You're going to have to do that. But you can definitely separate yourself from the pack from all these creative types that don't follow through on the business end. That's where you can kind of set yourself apart. Hmm. So we've been talking a lot about mindset. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's start getting into your your own personal story. Uh, you know, I especially want to talk about the Texas piece because I grew up in Texas and I know those music programs all too well. I was in them. Yeah. Uh, what did you play? I played the tuba for thirteen years. Oh my god, that's like a that's that's good exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's a couple of different things. I mean, I'm really interested in hearing about sort of the artistic and musical influences that you had growing up. Um, how, you know, parents who, you know, interestingly enough are not creatives, uh, but still supported this shaped your worldview and how that has really kind of impacted the way you see the world and the way you approach your work. Yeah, sure. That was a long question. Um, (laughs) what should I address first here? Uh, yeah, you know, my influences, you know, you know, growing up, this was, like I said, I started playing drums in 76, but the, the real gateway drug for me where I said that aha moment, this is what I want to do with my life, was Martha Quinn was a sexy VJ on MTV back when MTV played music videos. And there was a band called The Police that had a record called Synchronicity. And totally dating myself, but I fell in love with their sound. They had a drummer named Stuart Copeland uh, who is a massive influence. And matter of fact, um, there's a drum club in Nashville called the Nashville Drummers Jam. And coming up in on May 18th, we're going to do a massive uh, uh, tribute to Stuart Copeland. So all the the better named drummers in Nashville all get up and play their favorite Stuart Cop- uh, st- uh, police song with a great house band. So that's going to be great. Comes It's at the exit in on, on uh, May 18th in Nashville. But yeah, so that was kind of like, you know, I loved that record and that's where I said, man, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And of course, then I went back and studied the whole back catalog of the police and, you know, and then heavy metal was happening. So I was really into, um, you know, uh, Van Halen came out with a record called 1984, Uh which was a real game changer. And there was a, um, there was a band called, well, Ronnie James Dio had a couple of records, Holy Diver, Last in Line. There was a drummer named Vinnie Apice. And his brother, Carmine, played with a group called the Vanilla Fudge. And um, Carmine was forward-thinking enough that before rock drummers did any kind of educational programs, he scribbled down a bunch of drum beats on napkins, and he put out the first um, drum education book called Realistic Rock. And so I started working out out of that that book. 
And that was kind of my trajectory was was I was studying classical music and kind of like the traditional, you know, music pedagogy in the and the and the public schools. And then I was teaching myself drum set. And um, then eventually I got into you know jazz and Latin music and and you know. Um, uh, Gene Krupa was a big influence and of course playing in the jazz band program in the high school and then eventually I ended up at the University of North Texas and I played in a band called the One O'Clock Lab Band which is arguably one of the best collegiate um, jazz bands in the world and where it's kind of operates at a professional level we actually played gigs and people paid money to see a collegiate band um, and a high pressure situation if you've ever seen the movie Whiplash it's it was a little bit like that, <laughs> um, kind of a kind of a crazy high pressure cooker situation. But man, the the personal development that I went through in the three years that I was at the University of North Texas, we're talking everybody in the city of Denton, Texas, is either a musician or is dating a musician, mm-hmm. and um, you, you, I couldn't help but get better in in that environment. And the school I went to before that for four years, um, I had a really amazing. Um, a teacher named Alan Shin, who just basically gave me every opportunity you could possibly have to play drums all day, every day, um, between 1988 and 1992. So uh, I had some great teachers. I had um, um, Ricky Malachi was this awesome drum set teacher in El Paso, Texas. Byron Mutnick was a fantastic teacher. Jim Hargrove, these were all guys in El Paso, Texas. And then going to Texas Tech and then going to the University of North Texas, I studied with a great drum set teacher named Ed Sof, and once again, was just playing music every day, and then every night I would drive into Dallas, Texas, and I would play in a top 40 band or a, a horn band or play, I was playing in fusion bands and wedding bands and corporate situations and playing on jingles and just getting a lot of experience, and, and then I had that quarter-life crisis and said, what do I really want to do? I want to I want to see myself on the video. I want to hear myself on the radio. I want to travel the world on somebody else's dime. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen in Dallas, Texas. So I was going to have to make the move. And like I said, you know, 18 years ago, I ended up in 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 Nashville, Tennessee. Uh-huh. You know, the question that uh, I have about that is your Stuart Copeland moment. Do you think that those kinds of moments? are ones that we can bring about or we can recognize when they happen? Because, you know, you heard the interview with my friend Mars Dorian. It was like him finding comic books next to the ice cream. And I wonder, I guess, how we find those artistic influences that truly mold and shape us into who we are and the art that we create, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, you start getting into, you start getting into God and metaphysics and, and <laughs> And like the the afterlife and why we do what we do. I mean, because maybe they're maybe they're, I mean, I I definitely believe in a higher power, and I know that maybe maybe that there's somebody above us just kind of peppering these, sprinkling these moments in our life, and and hopefully we recognize these things. And I also remember it was pretty cool that all the girls in junior high were listening to the police, and my girlfriend <laughs> and I used to wear you know matching synchronicity T-shirts every day. So. And and she was my first Debbie Durham. She was my first kiss, and we wore our matching synchronicity shirts. So, 
it was just uh, you know perfect timing for that thing. So that was your that's the gateway drug where you get you know where I experienced that that healing feeling of music and and watching the you know the police they had that HBO special and just recording it and watching it every day over and over and over and saying to yourself that's what I want to do. Um, I think a lot of musicians have that similar aha moment. Sometimes musicians come from a long, ba- uh, like a family background where everybody in the family plays music, whereas I call myself a black sheep. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm literally the only musician in generations of my family. But um, it was just, you know, any, any of my family members or friends will tell you that, that this is what I'm supposed to do. It's what I'm thinking. If I'm not thinking about my beautiful wife that I need to see more of, I'm thinking about the drums. <laughs> And music, you know. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, 
I, I want to talk um, specifically about uh, your college years. You know, you said that was a, a great period of personal development for you uh, because of the environment that you were in, the people that you were surrounded by. I'd like to talk about that in a bit more depth um, and talk about some of the important lessons that have come from that period in your life and, and how you've carried those forward. And, you know, what are the takeaways for people who are listening? Yeah, well, you know, I think the whole traditional college environment may be at risk for whatever reason. College education is becoming so ridiculously unaffordable that <laughs> that I don't know if it's going to be an option for a lot of people. And I, and also, since going to college, I've noticed that there's just a lot of, you know, we're we're in this age of this incredible entrepreneurial spirit. Um, which is great. And I know that there's people that change the world without high school educations. Um, I mean, look at Dave Grohl. He didn't finish high school and he changed the world of music two times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, I don't, who knows? Maybe it's the exception to the rule. I, I have no idea. I just know that my parents said, you're going to school, kid. And, you know, I was like, you know, well, maybe I admire my parents and I respect my parents. And, you know, I'm going to go to school for four years, and by the time I get out, I'm only going to be – I'm still only going to be 21 years old, so let me go do this. It's a couple more years where I could practice the drums 10 hours a day on my parents' dime. Mm. So I know that, uh, you know, I was at – I went to an in-state school. My entire undergraduate education in 1988 was $30,000. Whereas I know that somebody that wants to go to Berkeley College of Music is $65,000 a semester. So you have a student, nothing against Berkeley. I think it's a, they're doing a great job, but they're going to graduate with over a quarter million dollars in debt. And then they're going to go out into the real wor- world. And as a bass player or a drummer, they're going to go freelance and they're going to go play a pizza joint for $50. Yeah. So where's the correlation there? That's really, that's tough. That's a really tough thing, but I will tell you that that um, I was always a good student, but college, traditional college will teach you about time management and will teach you about follow through. It will teach you about goal setting. It will teach you about being persistent. It will teach you how to jump through hoops. There's a lot of classes I sure as hell did not want to take. I didn't really care to learn how to um, score on the field for a marching band and how to make shapes change. And I'm like, I could care less about how to <laughs> I could care less about playing the clarinet. I could care less about college algebra. But you just have to do these things because I knew that there was a means to an end and I wanted to get to the end of the tunnel, which was to graduate with a four-year degree. But the most important thing was the experience I was getting playing music. And ultimately, the skill set that I garnered from going into a traditional college, which was um, learning about music theory and learning how to play the marimba and the timpani and doing two full-length recitals and learning how to read, sight-read music has paid off time and time and time again. I tell my students that in 1999, it was my third year in Nashville, and somehow, by the grace of God, I paid all my bills I was in 27 different bands, and the only way I could juggle 27 different bands was if I could read music. I scribbled out these little cheat charts on all the arrangements for all the bands, and all these bands knew that with very little to no rehearsal, I could show up at a sound check and and, try, and make that band sound like a pretty polished machine, like I was a full-time member of that group. And that was just be from you know eating and sleeping and breathing music and understanding the history of music and knowing how to read music. And as a session musician, it's been invaluable because I can hear a song, I can write out a chart, 
I could get behind a set of drums, I can execute. And with the level of uh, competition that comes, you know, a lot of people say, I want to be a studio musician. It's, it's probably, it would be easier to, to like win the lottery. It really is. There's probably like 50 drummers in Nashville that operate at a high level that are all vying for the same shrinking work pool pool of work you know uh and they're all great and at that point it becomes you know producers songwriters artists and bands deciding if they want an upal or banana or what flavor do you want because everybody is operating at a high skill level so college helped definitely helped with that stuff i don't know where else you i would be able to play drums for 10 12 hours a day between 18 and 25 years old hmm. Because a lot of people get kicked out of the house at 18 and they go, good luck. And I had those seven years to kind of float and continue to develop my skill set, which is I'm massively grateful for. Sounds like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. You know, I do some motivational speaking and that's when I talk about commitment. That's I definitely refer to that. And I think I've probably sold many books for that man. I would like to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> I say, go out and buy this book. You can find it in any airport. Yeah, that's true. You really can. Well, <sighs> let's, let, you know what? I want to get into some of the harder parts of this journey because I don't imagine that it's, I'm out of college and, you know, show up in Nashville and you have this amazing music career because I know careers in the arts as a writer and a creator. Um, I just, you know, got, got word about a, a book deal with a traditional publisher and it looks like it all happened overnight. And I think, man, I'm like, we started this seven years ago. <laughs> Oh yeah, but man, I, I have I have a little book out. I'm very ha I'm very proud of it, but it's called Fundamentals, capital F U N, Fundamentals of Drumming for Kids, mm -hmm. ages five to ten. And I wrote it with a co-author, a fantastic friend named Michael Obrecht, who is a Civil War historian and a filmmaker. He's just a very bright man that also plays drums. And he reached out to me on the internet and said, "Hey, there's no, I don't see any great programs or books to teach young young children." how to play the drums. And I said, well, let's write it. And we started writing and it took a year and a half and 12 edits and a lot of money to get that thing picked up. <laughs> and, but to see it come to fruition is a really, really cool thing. And to have people send in letters and say, this is my favorite drum book, or, you know, I'm a teacher or a general music education classroom teacher. And I use your book every day. And and the kids love it and they watch the DVD that comes with it. So, yeah, it's all just a snail's pace journey. Like anything worth doing in life is going to take time. And like I said, I parked cars and I did the construction work and I did the courier service and I was a substitute teacher K through three, the first eight years in Nashville. And the first eight years in Nashville, I had jobs. I mean, I was playing with touring bands uh, some of the listeners out there would real would really they would be appalled if they figured out what some of these high level jobs pay to be a musician, you know. And sometimes it's just not enough, and you have to supplement your income. So I would, you know, come home from tour or get out of playing a club at three in the morning and get up at seven in the morning. I was teaching kindergarten, <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's uh, that's either craziness or a high commit high commitment. <laughs> I don't know. Do you ever feel like throwing in the towel or get really frustrated or have any sort of rock bottom moments in all of this? I mean, there are some nights where where you'd rain on a bucket of Haagen-Dazs and go, "What the heck am I doing?" 
Um, but then, you know, uh, thank God, you know, you hold on to that. I tried to stay tapped into that childlike spirit of getting that drum when I was, you know, eight years old, that, you know, that, that blue sparkle snare drum or when my dad bought me that red set of drums and I would come home every day after school and, you know, pretend I was doing a drum solo for Madison square garden. (laughs) And, you know, I wanted to play Madison square garden when I was 18 years old. I didn't play Madison square garden until I was 42. Uh, so that's definitely kind of a lesson in, um, in gumption and persistence and, you know, being committed to, um, a goal. And that was my lifelong goal is to, is, was to play the drums every day and make my living playing music. And there's different levels of doing that. I was able to make thirty, $35,000 a year working every single day in Dallas, Texas. And it was a real grind. So for me, the goal was to take it to the next level. Like I said, hear myself on television and on the radio and travel the world. And sometimes you have to take a step back to take a step forward. So moving to Nashville meant starting all over and one handshake at a time and one gig at a time, proving to the world that I could play the drums and I was worth hiring. And it's all based on reputation and word of mouth. And a person's reputation is basically the culmination of your act of your actions over a long period of time. So in this business, you really can't have a bad day because you never know when someone's going to walk in Mm -hmm. and hear you play. And that person could be a tastemaker or be able to get you hired on to do a record or do a major tour. So every time I sit behind a set of drums, I'm pretending that I'm going to be recorded or, or someone is watching me that can, that can help, you know, get my career to the next level, even if it's a wedding or a bar mitzvah or a supermarket grand opening or a pool party, you, you know, I think, I think successful people never mail it in. They're always operating at a high level. Hmm. Let me ask you this. You mentioned, you know, in those moments, tapping back into that sort of childlike place where, uh, you had that drum for the first time. How do we do that in our own lives? regardless of whatever art it is that we're making. How do you stay tapped into that childlike spirit? Yeah. Well, you could do two things in life. You can either be a drummer or grow up. (laughs) 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 You can't do both, but no, it's great. You know, it's like, it's like I run, I run my business as a very knowledgeable businessman, but I, I am a child. Like I'm like Jerry Lewis. Like I, I make ridiculous faces and I sweat and I'm, I just let the muse kind of take over. Like when I'm playing, I just try to forget about things and, and just focus on the task at hand is, which is playing music and, and making everybody on stage feel very comfortable, make their job easy. Um, I'm providing a service. Like I tell drummers, you're a musical waiter. You're going to be a musical waiter for the rest of your life. You're, you're, if someone asks you to play fast or slow or play more blue or play more red, you have to be able to take that kind of direction and then serve it up with like the, this is the last time I'm ever going to play kind of a spirit. And I think if you do that, people will, they'll, they'll really pick up on that. I think people are, are smarter than we give them credit for. And, and we're all highly intuitive creatures and they can tell when someone's just there for a paycheck or if someone's mailing it in. So I just try to play like I'm that 16 year old kid in the garage who hasn't 
been burned by the music business or hasn't been road worn or stayed in the holiday inn or like, you know, it, it's a brutal business and it could definitely beat you down, you know, but I never, ever once felt like quitting. I think maybe the first five years in Nashville, I felt like I had made the wrong decision as far as like geographically, I felt like I should have been in Los Angeles because mm-hmm. I love the vitamin D and I love the the cultural diversity of that town and the swaying palm trees and it's highly it's very open minded it's just my kind of town i love it um but i i stuck it out in nashville and the and the the music ended up coming around to how i actually play the drums which is kind of like a rock drummer and i was fortunate enough to actually find some wonderful like-minded individuals that I've been in a rhythm section with for God, 16, between one guy, 16 years and another guy, 18 years. So collectively 16 years, this is like, like four presidencies. Like this doesn't (laughs) happen in Nashville. You don't find three sidemen musicians stick it out in the trenches, come hell or high water together. And we were able to do it. And so that was actually with those two guys, we were able to, um, from opportunities that we created and or were given, were, a- were actually able to influence a new sound in Nashville, which is like a big responsibility. Um, and, and we're really proud of it. But there was a, you know, the guy that I worked for, Jason Aldean, his producer, Michael Knox, uh, we created something together. And it was from the most meager beginnings. We're talking like eight-hour rehearsals at SIR Studios. And we had a hot meal provided for us at lunch. And, um, and at that time, like a hot meal and some money went a long way. And um, so anyways, I'm glad I stuck it out. We, you know, I'm 18 years in Nashville. Um, yeah, I, if I had left in the first five years, I wouldn't have able. I wouldn't have seen these things, and I would have been able to tell these stories. So, um, a lot of gratitude in my in my life. Do you ever feel beat down by the whole thing? Yeah, sometimes I sometimes I see. Um, you know, we're all like driving around the track, and then I sometimes I see people driving around. I'm in a Honda Element. And I see other people driving around in a, in a cherry red Maserati, <laughs> and I and I'm like, well, how did that happen? I've been he- I've been here just as long in the trenches, but that's just kind of the way the um, whole thing is set up. There's no guarantees, and you have to kind of look at things that you have in your life. Like I say, wow, I'm a drummer. I'm married to a beautiful woman. We're homeowners. We have. Um, a paid-for Honda Element. We have shoes on our feet. We can go get sushi if we freaking want to go get sushi. Maybe we'll go twice this week, and I can go get a Starbucks whenever I want. And this is neat, man. I'm I play the drums, and I have this awesome lifestyle that that I've created for myself. So, have we have our health? We have friends. So, you know, if you get up in the morning and you start in the shower, the first thing I do is I start going down that gratitude list. Friends, family, love, health. I got a cat named Sassy that's 15 years <laughs> old. That's like, she's built like a German tank. 
And um, we just have a great life. So there really is nothing to complain about. And, and I'm a type A kind of like a guy and I'm moving forward. There's things that I want in my life and I'm, I'm freaking going for it, man. Hmm. So for those of us who kind of have a look into this world from the outside in, I think that we glamorize it and we fantasize about it and we have misperceptions about what it's like to be a traveling musician on the road. I mean, you watch movies like Almost Famous and, you know, you get a dose of it. I'm really interested in, in, you know, what are the misperceptions of people like us from the outside of the lives that people like you lead? Oh, yeah. There's a common phrase floating around the music business. Yeah, guys, we just sleep till noon every day and it's hookers and blow all the time. <laughs> and and it, it just is the farthest thing from the truth. I mean, that, you know, I'm sure there's some rock bands out there that still are pampered and get to sleep to noon and and maybe they have a period of time where there is hookers and blow and <laughs> and, and, and 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 there's the addictions and the you know passages in Malibu and they have to make the trips in and out and they maybe they'll come out the other side, but you know, I'm a blue collar musician. You know, I um I get I get up early in the morning and during the day I will go teach or speak at a college or a high school or go teach lessons at a drum shop and then I have to get back and I do a sound check every day at 3 p.m. and then I break bread with my band and we get dressed and we do the show and then we do it the next day and we wake up in a new city and you just can't be partying your brains out especially as you age you really have to take care of yourself we're you know you got to have that wheatgrass shot man and you got to have your green <laughs> smoothie and you got to take your vitamins um i mean i'm up there burning 1200 calories a night tr- playing like a 16 year old kid in a 44 year old man's body i got to take care of myself and then um i get back to nashville and maybe i'm um co- co-producing a record or playing drums on someone else's record or I'm trying to write a song and trying to get that next Luke Bryan hit. And it's a full-time job. You're your own personal trainer, publicist, manager, um, you know, the sideman musician, the session musician. Um, we're kind of like the worker bees, you know, and we're very important to, to pull it all together and to make it all happen. We're compensated for it, but it's just, uh, yeah, it, it is not – um, all red carpets and, and, and cocaine. It's the furthest thing from the truth. <laughs> so, you know, let me ask you this. This is something I've always wondered. Uh, having grown up with music, uh, you know, I mean, the first CD that I was, the first tape I was ever handed was Michael Jackson's Thriller, and I played it until it stopped working. Yes. And the thing that I've always wondered about the arts, um, especially music in particular, is why certain people manage to remain timeless and span multiple decades. Like I look at a band like you two, you having basically been in Nashville for four presidencies. My question is, what is it that enables somebody like a U2 to span multiple decades and multiple generations and still remain popular in our culture? Yeah. You know, it's, we're living in a time right now where the tools to break th- – there's so much noise because the tools are there to promote your band. Like I have a band. Follow mm-hmm. us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Ch- sign on to our YouTube page. Um, it's like everybody – it's an equal playing field. But now since there is so much noise, how do you break through the noise? Well, um, and the question is would you two um, be able to break through the noise if they just formed today? 
That's a good way of putting it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they've remained timeless. I mean, you know, they're they're popular from generation to generation, which I've seen with very few artists. Yeah. You mean you could name them on like maybe two hands. Yeah. Like for example, there are people who are listening to this where if you, some of the bands you've referenced, they'll be like, who the hell is that? Like if you mentioned Huey Lewis in the news, you and I were probably of similar age. Somebody will say, my business partner, Brian, I said, do you know who Huey Lewis is? And I had to basically get him, I had to play it on Spotify for him and play the power of love and say, have you seen Back to the Future? And it finally clicked for him. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, You know, there comes, there's a thing, you know, that I like to call sonic branding, which is like, you know, you can always pretty much recognize a U2 song because there's, this is how... Uh, things like Spotify and Pandora can put playlists together for you because there's an algorithm that studies um, tempo, key, lyrical content, uh, guitar sounds, kick drum patterns. Like, so you always know it's a, a U2 song because there's a relentless kick drum, there's Bono's like the, the, the timbre of his voice, and then there's the edges guitar. There's that, you know, that, that 16th note, that, 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 that thing that's in almost every song. So every record is going to have some element of that, but then they can change with the times and they throw you, there's right hook, right hook, right hook, left hook. And then they're able to, to throw something in there to say, hey, we're evolving as creative people. What do you think of this? Same thing with, an, with Jason Aldean. We did, we're on our sixth record and there's definitely a sonic brand there. There's thoughtful, incredibly well-written songs um, it's served up with kind of like, there's definitely a country sound because there's a steel guitar, but then there's like big walls of guitars and the snare drum is hot in the mix and, and there's a certain sonic brand there, but then there'll be a song, um, that'll just come out of nowhere that may, that it has a drum machine that's heavily featured. It has a real strong R and B influence or something. So I think that's, uh, that's something that happens all the time is you, is a lot of right hooks. And then occasionally the fans will grant you the left hook. Wow. Well, Rich, this has been really, really eye opening. I mean, you're the first professional musician to actually be on the show. Oh, this is an honor. Thank you. (laughs) uh, So I want to wrap with uh, my final question, which, you know, from the perspective of a musician should be really interesting uh, to hear what you say about this. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? The un- well, this is a great question because of the unmistakable creative. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's a, you know, a lot of people would call it a, a thing, you know, like, man, I don't know what it is about that dude, but he's got a thing. It's an intangible quality. So you can line up 50 drummers in a room, and this happens on what I would call cattle call auditions all the time, where it's like, how can you tell 50 drummers playing the same three songs apart? Well, there's going to be some expectations. Um, hopefully they have a, they have a solid, they have a good, they, they play with a good tone. They play in time. So if the, the, the beat is steady, they know the material, but maybe there's a certain way that the time moves with the front man. So the front man can articulate the, his song or it just feels comfortable or there's the intangible, unmistakable way that what I think 98% of the music business is, which is, okay, 2% is the music, but can you get along as people, you know, mm-hmm. do personalities like a band, we spend 23 hours a day on a bus. And so, you know, are you flexible? Do you have a giving and personality? Can you take direction without getting offended? And so that's a big part 
I think of, of, you know, getting jobs in the music business and keeping jobs in the music business is being able to take directions, playing well with others. But yeah, some people just, um, maybe it's, some people are stylists. So they spend their entire career being able to imitate so many styles so well. So they end up being great session musicians, you know, like the wrecking crew, these guys that played on every record that came out of Southern California in the early seventies. Um, and then there's a guy like Stuart Copeland who has an unmistakable sound or a guy like Alex Van Halen, who's a drummer where you can hear the first two snaps of his snare drum and you know, it is his drum. I just saw, I was right there at Jimmy Kimmel Live. They, they shut down Hollywood Boulevard and Van Halen played. And you could turn your back and Alex Van Halen hit that snare drum. And that is Alex Van Halen. So that's a real luxury, I think. Not all musicians get to that place. For whatever reason, we're, we're, we're granted an opportunity to create an unmistakably unique sound. It doesn't happen to all musicians. Hmm. I hope that somebody would, you know, hear a track on the radio. Sometimes I'll get a call from somebody that'll say, hey, did, I heard such and such on the radio. Was that you? And I said, yeah, that's me. And they're like, I knew it. And I was like, that is cool. That's an amazing compliment. But um, it's getting harder and harder to do because we have these ways that we record music now using – everything is digital. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have this – program called Pro Tools, which is a digital audio workstation. And we have so many ways to manipulate the sound. We can suck all the uniqueness out of a person and totally homogenize them. So it's actually, you have to be very careful when recording music because you can make everyone sound exactly the same. Awesome. Well, Rich, this has been just eye-opening, insightful, and uh, thought-provoking, as I expected it would be. And uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your story and your journey and your insights with our listeners here at The Unmistakable Creative. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is a fantastic program. Anybody listening out there, what is there, like 80 episodes you have archived? or uh, About 500. Oh, 500! Okay. <laughs> another podcast. Yeah, there's a drummer podcast that's uh, really, really good out there. But um, yeah, okay, well, that's a lot of listening. I got some work to do. <laughs> well, again, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.